This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. The gray one and the red button. Yeah. Let's see. No. I got it. Okay, perfect. All right, everybody. Parshas Vayechi 5784. Here's what we're going to talk about. It's an amazing Pusik, an absolute amazing Pusik. The Pusik says, Vayar Yisrael's b'nei Yosef, Vayomer mi'ela. See, Yaakov Avinu, Yisrael, saw the children of Yosef. And then he said, who are these kids? Now, that's a really strange thing to say. Aside from the fact that Yaakovinu had been learning with Ephraim for the last 17 years. Aside from the fact that Menashe was the right-hand man of Yosef. It's out of wherever Yosef, it's out of Gwent, Menashe was there. But aside from all that, he had just said, Ephraim u Menashe, ki Ruvain v'shimun yuli. That Ephraim and Menashe are going to be like Ruvain and Shimon for me. Clearly, he knew who they were. That should not have been a question whatsoever. What in the world was this question? Then the Netziv also points out that the Pusik uses the word Yisrael, the name Yisrael, and not Yaakov. Why? Because he was calling upon his Ruach HaKodesh to do something absolutely great. Right? He wanted to bring in this bracha. Up until now, he had been Yaakov. Right? But now, he knew he was going to do something awesome. Take the bracha of Yitzchak Avinu that he had given to Yaakov Avinu, and he's going to give it over to the kids, to the children there, and therefore he starts being called Yisrael. He's ready for that next level, so to speak, the end of his life, when he can give over whatever he can to his children, he's ready for that. So the Sifzik Chavim asked this question. How in the world did he not know who these people were? Aside from that, the other puzzle, the other part of the puzzle over here is that the puzzle says that Yaakov saw them. Vayari Yisrael, it's been Yosef. But in a few psukim after this, it says that Yaakov Avinu was no longer able to see like he once was. That he no longer had his seeing ability, that he lost his ability to see. So what exactly is Vayar? Which sounds like he saw them with Ruach HaKodesh. Right, which is going to explain Rashi, as we'll see very soon. It sounds like he saw them through Ruach HaKodesh. But that in of itself is a pella. What does that mean? He saw them through Ruach HaKodesh and he didn't know who they were? Is that really the question you're going to ask over here? So Sifzat Chalmim says, seriously, there's something that we're missing over here and it's very, very, very strange. So Rashi explains that Yaakov wanted to give them a bracha. And at that moment that Yaakov wanted to give them a bracha, the Shekhinah left him. Shekhinah left him. Why? Because he saw that the kings, Yeruvam ben Nevat and Achav, who did many evil things and were not Zoha to get Olam Haba, were going to come from Ephraim. And a king named Yehu was going to come from Menashe. And Yehu was also a terrible king. He had a chilek in Olam Haba, according to the Gemara, not like Yeruvam and Achav. But Yehu was also a terrible, terrible king. That they were going to come from these children, from Menashe and Ephraim. And he said, who are these kids? In other words, how in the world are these children not royal for a bracha? Where did these kids come from? That they're so bad that I can't give them a bracha, that the Ruach HaKodesh left me when I got to that point. What was going on over here? That's what Rashi says. Now the Kleyakar adds that the word Eile, me Eile, is used specifically. Because the, they worshipped the Egel by Yeruvah Menavad. There were two Agoan. The Egel Azov that he put in base El and the Egel Azov that he put in Dun. Right? There was Dun all the way up, base El on the bottom. He, they worshipped that. The same way that they said Eile, Elohecha Yisrael by the Egel Azov in the Midbor. It was Eile over here as well. You have that word Eile. That's being used over here. These people were not worthy of any bracha of Yaakov. And that's what Kaleyaku was saying that he had that day. What were we going to ask? So how come when someone would 
Well, even stronger. How come this didn't happen by any of the other Shvatim? It's not like Reuven didn't have any evil, evil kids. Not like Shimon didn't have any evil kids, or Yehuda, or any of them. Why in the world didn't this happen by anybody except for Ephraim and Menashe? Right? Meaning just with Yaakov and himself. Yeah. You're right, but even though they didn't get a bracha, right? They were yelled at and gotten muster, but it's listed among the Birchos Yaakov, right? I know it's not a bracha. It's a discussion, right? It's a discussion for another time. Right, but either way, there was something that was given. Let's go with Yehuda. Yehuda for sure got a bracha, right? There's nobody evil from Yehuda. Menashe doesn't have a chelik on Haba. What about Menashe? Like, the question can be asked about anybody. You can really ask this on anyone. How, we'll get to that. Believe that we're going to get to that. Now, the Magid Tehilos says the hint to this comes from the word B'nai Yosef. It says, Vayari Yisrael as B'nai Yosef. Now that's weird, right? Because it shouldn't say B'nai Yosef, it should be Ephraim and Menashe. Vayari Yisrael is Ephraim and Menashe. B'nai is the Rashi Tevis of Yeruvam ben Nivat. Right? Out of order, but ben nun yud. Yeruvam ben Nivat. It's also, Yalkut Girshuni adds on, it's also the Rashi Tevis of Yehu ben Nimshi who's also from Menashe, you have Yehu ben Nimshi as well, so he's also mentioned over there. The Rukeach also adds, Vayomer mi Eile, is the gematria of Yeruvam Haya, plus the Kola, plus you add on one. The Rabbin Ophraim says, off by, he says Yeruvam and Yehu, is the same gematria, again, it's off by one. Right, Yeruvam and Yehu. But you have something here, clearly there are Ramazim that this is so, but really the question is, what does this mean? The Panine Academy asked a strong question as well, I thought, some, I thought Dave, you were going in this direction as well, the Panine Kedem asks such a pushy question. He says, we learn from Yishmael that we only judge people by share who shum, where they are at that moment. You never judge them according to what's be in the future. We know that. Yishmael's kids, said the Malachim, are going to destroy the Jews in the future. How could you let this guy live? That's, that's a famous, famous Rashi. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, right now, is he a tzaddik or a rasha? Tzaddik. So therefore, we're not going to kill him. Right? Tzaddik. So why don't we judge these people here in the exact same way? They should be judged by Sherhu Sham. Now, it's possible that this only works, and this is interesting, if the child is born beheter. When a child is born beheter, then we'll say by Sherhu Sham. Yishmael was born from Avram and Hagar. Right? It was Beheter. There was a Heter involved. There was nothing wrong with the relationship. And therefore, Basher Husham, that he gets judged. The question that Yaakov Inu had was, who are these kids? Are these kids Roy Lebracha, or are they evil kids? And if they're Roy Lebracha, great, we'll give them a Bracha. And if they're not, then what do we do? What's going to happen at that point? In other words, maybe they're not Roy Lebracha. They're not from a mutter relationship. They're born from a forbidden fashion. And if they're born in a forbidden fashion, then you don't judge them Basher Hosham. They don't get judged the same way we judged Ishmael. That was the suggestion, says the Pnei Kadem. And that's the idea behind it. And that's why Yosef brought out his star, as we'll see later on, that he was married properly, that his wife was a normal person. And that's that. And I found this later in the Chidah as well. This same idea. Shlomo, what are you going to ask? There's a difference between Asav and Yeruvim Benevat. Maybe it's different between the people as opposed to Hashem, 
it's hard. That's really hard. No, Basher Hashem, we can still apply to other places. Otherwise, that's an easy answer when the Gemara asks about a Ben Soramora and says, why isn't that Basher Hashem? And all the Rishonim and Achonim ask, that's an easy answer, right? So I don't think that's the right answer. But yeah, keep going. Okay, that's a cash over there. That doesn't mean the concept's not correct. The only question is, why does it apply over there? But it's still, the cash is right there. The cash is still there. And I think this is a legitimate answer, that it only applies when they're born beheter, which I don't know if that would apply by the snake. It's not born. So I'm not sure what would apply by the snake itself. Shari Aram then asks the other question, and he says, why don't we see Yaakov Avinu's Ruach HaKodesh leaving him when he blesses any of his other children who also had evil kids, right? What about Yehuda, who definitely had Menashe, was no chilek and Olam Haba? Why doesn't it leave him at any other point only by Ephraim and Menashe? And he says, Sarachin. He doesn't have an answer, right? The Shari Aaron blibes Sarachin on this and says, it doesn't make any sense to me. Now, I found a possible answer, and I think this is it. The Imre MS says an unbelievable line. It says, when a person is given Gedula, when he's given greatness, immediately there are accusations that are made on that person. There are accusations, terrible malachim, terrible malachim, that go against him in Shemayim. Yaakov saw that he had benched them to be as great as Shvatim. They should be like Reuven and Shimon and me. That was a bracha that was given to them that they should be equal to one another and they were going to be brought up to a tremendous level. That means that there's a kitrug on them in Shemayim. An accusation went out and the Malachim were like, wait a second, did they deserve that greatness? Did they deserve to be as great as the Shvatim? See, in other words, the Shvatim were always as great as they were. They were tremendously great people. So when Yaakov blessed them, the blessing wasn't going to be taken away because they did something wrong or they're going to have children in the future. They were the regular Shvatim that deserved the bracha. But Ephraim and Asher were being raised up a level. They're grandchildren and they're being treated like children. So the Malachan came along and said, why are they deserving of being like children? They're not as great as the other Shvatim. They're not. And the Kitrug went out, that accusation went out, and that's exactly what happened over here. Meaning the Imre Yama says, this is a famous line, Ein Adam Nasa Shoiter Momato, a person does not become an officer or something famous down here. Elinke Nasa Russia Lamawa, until it becomes a Russia up above. In other words, they take him to task. Does that person deserve to be the Gadol? Does that person deserve to be the rabbi? Does that person deserve to be? And there's going to be a Kitrug on him. There's an accusation in Shemayim. And they say, what's going on with this guy? Does he really deserve what you claim he deserves? And they're going to go through it completely. And that's exactly what happened to Ephraim and Menashe. Ephraim and Menashe were tremendous people. Tremendous people. And of course there were Tzadikim at the time. But once you get brought up to a higher level, a higher level than what you are, then Yaakov Vinu had to explain why, or Yosef at Tzadik had to explain why should these person, these people, deserve to be on this higher level? And I think that answers the Shari Alam's question. It didn't apply to anybody else. It didn't even apply by any of the other people. Obviously, Yitzchak Avinu saw the evil in Yaakov and the evil in Esau. And yet it didn't matter. It didn't matter because when you're trying to raise somebody up, that's a different story. The Oznayim Torah, I believe, says the exact same thing. The Oznayim Torah says, right before they were given greatness to be equal to the Shvatim, they had to be Good. But now they have to be great. And in order to be great, they have to prove themselves. And they weren't ready for that. That was very difficult. Yeah. I thought that's Yaakov's assessment. He realizes that Yosef is still Yosef and that his children are still going the way of the Torah. Yeah. That his assessment essentially is 
that you guys are, you, they, they, they will be like, constructed like the Ruben and Shimon. Look, right? 100%, and they should be. But once you say that, then there's an automatic raise in level, and Yaakov Yinu then saw that on this level, they didn't deserve to be. There's, they should be one level down. No, that's the bracha. He's trying to raise them and he sees they don't deserve to be raised. That's what he's seeing. From his own bracha, he messed them over. And he noticed that and that's what he's saying, uh-oh, what did I just do? So, so his original judgment of them that they were on that level was not necessarily... According to what he's saying right now was not correct. Obviously, he blessed them. Well, we have a Malachah Golosi. In the end, he blessed them. The question is why he blessed them. But that at least explains what's happening over here. Now, the Ibn Ezra says that Yaakovina was not completely blind, but he couldn't see clearly either. He had to look very carefully at something to see what it was. I would say, like, I don't even like the word blind anymore. I, they didn't have glasses then, I don't think. The assumption is, look, if you take off my glasses right now, I know that you're sitting in front of me, Yaakov. I know that you're there, Mati, I can see you, probably because I just saw you before, right? But I can't really see you. I can see blobs. So if that's true, it's possible that Yaakovina was just a negative 725 in both eyes, like I am, right? And therefore, he was able to see them, but he wasn't able to tell if it was exactly them. And he didn't want to pull over, I don't know, like some random, like, Robert and Bob, Pull the guy's named Robert, right? Pull them both over and say like, oh, here come my sons. And he's like, uh, this is not a prime Menasha. So to be sure, he said, me, Ela. He wanted to make sure, says David Ezra, to be careful. He wanted to say, are we sure that this is a prime Menasha? Because I can't really see them so clearly. That's the way the Ibn Ezra says it. The Rashbam, the Radak, and the Chizkuni say the exact same thing. You know, that, that's the idea. They say, Ro'isi es Hashem. In Malachim Alafkaf Bezyotas, Lo Yurania Adam Bachai, a person can't see me. It's obviously not seeing something. It's seeing like something that represents, and they can't fully see it, and that's the idea behind it. So obviously, that was the idea of what he was trying to do over here. He was trying to figure out, is this exactly who I think it is? The Orachayim Akadosh certainly says, this is Pshat. There's no question whatsoever. The Yaakov couldn't see them, but he knew that Yosef brought them. It's probably a prime Menashe, but I can't make sure. I have to make sure it's prime Menashe, and therefore we had to confirm it right there. But he then says, this is an amazing Orachai Makadosh, it's possible he wanted to be Ma'orer, the love of a father to a son, before he blessed them. He wanted Yosef Atadik to say, these are my children. These are my children that I love. Abba, bless my children. He wanted to hear that from him for the bracha to be chal. And that's the sod behind the Pusik that we say, The more you speak about it, the more you remember how great they are. Right? The children of Yosef, the children of, of Yaakov Avinu, right? That we have this idea of how great Ephraim can be, right? If you just mention them over and over again. So it's possible, the Orachai Makarish said, is that he wasn't even asking me, Ela, as in, who are these kids? I can't really see them. It's more like, me, Ela? Are these who I think they are? And to which Yosef said, yes, they're my children. To which Yaakov said, oh, your children, they're such great children. You can see somebody saying that. The Orachai Makarish says, it's not pshat, but he thinks that's there. Then Nitziv says something else. He says something interesting that connects this Orachai. He says, when you give a bracha to someone, you have to feel connected to them. You have to feel like there's a relationship. Now, Obviously, Yaakovino had a relationship with Ephraim. He'd been learning with him for 17 years. Obviously, he had a relationship with Menashe. Menashe had been around Yosef for the last 17 years. There's no question whatsoever. But he felt that there would be more of a direct connection through Yosef if Yosef was there and the bracha flowed from Yosef to the kids. 
And that's really why it says by Yibarachas. Yosef later on, there was something, some bracha that went through. Yosef didn't say their names directly. He didn't say Ephraim and Asher because he was confused when Yaakov Vinu said them out of order. Remember, Ephraim and Menashe, Kiruvim Vishimon Yuli, but really Menashe was older than Ephraim. So he was confused by that. So he didn't say it's Menashe and Ephraim because he didn't want to contradict his father. He didn't want to say Ephraim and Menashe because Ephraim was obviously older, uh, younger than Menashe. So he didn't know what to do, but he just said, they're my children, the royal Abracha, and he gave him Abracha. Now this is amazing. Rabbeinu Yosef Nechamia, he's the Chassam Sofer's great nephew. And I saw this somewhere else and I can't remember where. I, I just, I saw it somewhere and I was writing it down and then I totally forgot where I put it. He says, Yaakov Avinu, could no longer see physical things in this world. His eyes had become ruchni, so much so that he wasn't even able to see blobs in front of him. He could just see nishamos. He was able to see more than what a person could see, like you'd say the aura of a person. That's what Yaakov Avinu was able to see. When he looked at Fraim Menashe, he knew it was a Fraim Menashe, but his physical sight was no longer there. It was his spiritual sight that had taken over and all he could see was the evil emanating from them. And on that he said, why is Hashem showing me their evil? Why is Hashem showing me Yeruvah ben Avot and Yehu ben Nimshi and Menash and all these evil people that are coming from them and Achav? Why am I seeing these people? I, I can't. Maybe it's a warning that I'm not supposed to do anything. And it's possible that it was a warning. Maybe, this is a hard thing to say, Ephraim and Menashe were very comfortable in their positions. And they might have started to think to themselves, you know what? We don't have to worry about the Egyptians. We're good. We're good. We're, we're, we're in great positions here. Menashe is the second in command to Yosef. Ephraim is a guy who's sitting in a base medrash all day long. And they probably thought like, you know, this whole Gullah thing is not so bad. We're pretty good. And Yaakovinu's warning them, you don't realize what you're getting yourselves into. And we know this happens in the future. There were hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Jews that later on became like the Egyptians. They may have been lost for all time because of all this. It's possible that something happened. It's possible that everything went wrong in some way, shape, or form, and they lost everything at some point. Says Rabbi Yosef Nechamia, Yaakov Avinu did this strategically to say, Ephraim, Menashe, watch out. You guys are the most susceptible. You're the ones who are getting involved in this. You are the most susceptible to the evil that might come along, right? And that's the idea why he told them this, to make them as careful as possible. There's an unbelievable story of the Chavetz Chaim. Listen to the story. Chavetz Chaim had a visitor who was clearly a great Talmud Chacham. And he brought in two of his two young men, grandchildren, that were dressed like the regular people in the street, clearly not following in the ways of their grandfather. Right? And he brought them to the Chafetz Chaim. And remember, this is a time of enlightenment when everybody was doing something, you know, a little bit questionable in Europe and there were people that were doing whatever. Where things are going off a little, a little bit too quickly. Right? So the Chafetz Chaim was asked if he could give a bracha to these kids. And it said the following. He looked at them and he said, he said, you have tremendous yichus, but that's not enough. He said, if their education, if your education is not up to par, right, there's nothing that Yichus can do to save them. It's possible that it's the exact same thing. Yosef is showing Ephraim and Asher. Who knows? If Ephraim and Asher were dressed as Egyptians, 
because that was what the people were wearing at the time. I know we say that the Jews never changed their clothing. That may not have applied to those people who were working in the kingdom, like Menashe and Yosef, and maybe even Ephraim. It could be that they had to wear Egyptian clothes. It's the Jews who were living in Goshen that never changed the clothing. But the people that were there in the palace, maybe they did change their clothing. And he says, you have to be careful. You have to be careful with things like that. That's the idea that the Chafetz Chaim was trying to tell this person. Another time, a couple came to the Chafetz Chaim for a bracha for their child. This is a harsh one. This is a very harsh one. And he said, Chinuch of children does not need a bracha. You don't need a bracha from me. To be machanach your child, you don't need a bracha. Right? It has to do with the parents and where they decide where to send them, etc. If you have mesiris nefesh and dedication to send them to yeshiva, you don't have to worry about it. You don't need a bracha for chinuch. That's what they told the parents. The parents understood. They asked for a bracha anyway. So Chafetz Chaim repeated the exact same line. He refused to give a bracha. The people there were shocked. The mamish were shocked. They'd heard the Chavetz Chaim say that, but in the end, he always gave a bracha. Always give a bracha. Like even though he said, Chinuch, what do you need a bracha for Chinuch for? Send them to Yeshiva, they should be good. But the Chavetz Chaim absolutely refused to give it. So they ran after the couple to ask them where the child was, and as soon as it was all clear, he was a very good student, and the parents decided that the best thing for him was going to be going to Petersburg, right, for university. He was going to go to Petersburg for university and he was going to join the secular college there. And they were hoping that he would remain from. So we, they asked the Chavetz Chaim for a bracha that he should remain from. And the Chavetz Chaim refused. Chavetz Chaim refused. They said, I can't do that. I can't give you a bracha to keep your kid from. You sent him in the middle of nowhere. You sent him to university in the middle of nowhere. I can't promise you that things are going to work out. The Chavetz Chaim's non-response was essentially saying they didn't have a chance. They did not have a chance if they sent him to such a place. That's a really scary thing to think about, but sometimes that takes mysterious nafesh. It's an understanding of what's going to happen in those types of places. As a timeout, I just want to be very clear about this. There are some people who do unbelievably well in secular college. I have a relative of mine who did unbelievably well beyond anyone's recognition, he decided to go to Kolel after going to college for four years. That is a completely, like, it was beyond anyone's We were, like, screaming, don't send him to that college. That college is ridiculous. It's like a, a place he has nobody around him. But you know what happened? Because he was the only from guy on campus, so the Chabad rabbis all loved him. So they were hanging out with him all the time. He was always called in for Shacharis Minchamarav. He never, when he was in Chicago, he never made Shacharis Minchamarav. But then he went there and he made every Shacharis Minchamarav. Because he had to. He was the tenth man by every minion. Or the ninth man. It's Chabad. Sometimes it's nine. So either way, but he was that guy who made everything. Everybody wanted to learn with him. Everybody. The whole neighborhood around had, from Jews there, they all wanted to learn with him. He had like 16 Chabrusas a week. He learned more on a college campus, right, in a secular college campus than he did in Yeshiva. Right? It was the absolute best thing for him. And he graduated college and went straight to yeshiva for the next four or five years. Like, that's obviously... And, and I don't want to say that anybody who goes to college is automatically off like the Chavetz Chaim is saying. Chavetz Chaim had Ruach HaKodesh and he could tell this guy was going to go off completely. There was no, no, nothing my bracha could do. Right? This person, right, obviously did well there. So I don't want to say it's an automatic. But I would tell people, be super careful. This might not be the greatest idea. You've got to be super careful there. Shlomo, you had a question before. The way we're answering it is seemingly, after all this, it's that he only, meaning according to Ibn Ezra. According to Ibn Ezra, why didn't he say Miela? 
because Yosef Tzadik, no, because Yosef Tzadik was saying, right, I want a bracha for my children. He didn't know if the children were there or not, but he said, Ephraim and Asher, Keruvim, Veshem, and Yuli. Whether they were there or not, that works. But he wanted to give them a direct bracha. That's when he said, Mi'ela, who are these guys? That's the idea behind it. Second? It's a good question. Uh, we don't know. Now, like, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a good question, but it's not for right now. There's too, it's too, yeah. That, that's a little bit too much. Right, but the, the basic answer is Bechalo Yitzui Aviv. But when exactly that happened and why that happened, we'll go into something else. Okay, we're skipping the next one over here. Go to the Yalka Ruveni. The Yalka Ruveni quotes the Shach Torah, but the truth is, I can't find it in the Shach. So if somebody knows where it is in the Shach Torah, I have no idea. It's not here. But he says the following. He says he had a very different way of looking at these Pesukim. Yaakov Avinu, listen to this, saw the two children of Yosef flying in the air. They were flying in the air, and he said, who are these great men? How did they come into being in Mitzrayim? Like, I don't even know what to do with this Medrash. I can't find the Medrash anywhere. It's not in the Medrash Rabbah, not in the Medrash Tachum, not in the Yalkut Shimoni, not in the Shachalator where he quotes it from. I only found it in the Yalkut Ruveni. But that means it's a total opposite look. It's not that who are these guys that they have such evil emanating from them. It's who are these guys that are so awesome that they have everything in them. What happened to them? Now, the next thing. That, that brought us all to the question. What's the answer? What was the answer that Yosef gave to his father? He said, Bonaihem, they're my kids. Asher nosan lielokin bozeh. That God gave me through this. What is this? What was he saying by the word this? They're my children that HaKadosh Baruch gave me in this place. So the Sforno says, the simplest explanation, while I was here and you were back in Eretz Canaan, I had no choice. I got married and I had these kids. And because they're here, yeah, they had a little bit of tuma in them. There's nothing I could do. What did you want me to do? Did you want me not to get married at all? I was sitting in this land for 22 years and there was nothing I could do. That's sort of what it is. So that's, it's not so shocking. And the Chizkuni says that as well. The Ramban adds that Yosef said, not just that they were born here. Do you realize how many miracles I had while I was here? Do you realize, he said to his father, what happened to me while I was here? I got around everything. And Baruch Hashem, I found a Yiddish girl that I can marry that I didn't have any problems with. That already is an awesome thing. Yes, I married an Egyptian woman. I became the second in command here. I had no choice when it came to everything that HaKadosh Baruch Hu put in my hand. So if anything, if there is evil coming from them, they need this bracha from you. You have to give them a bracha because they have everything in them to become evil. Maybe this bracha will change them to be good. That was the idea that he was trying to say both. Very negative. Very, very negative. The Malbim says that the, again, as we said before, the Yaakov was shocked when he saw the son's Egyptian's clothing. They were all wearing Egyptian clothing and he said, what are these guys doing? You can't wear this clothing. To which Yosef Atzadik said, they were born here. They're different from the other people. They were born in the kingdom, in the palace. I had, what am I going to do? I'm going to dress them up in Jewish clothing while they're in the palace? I was, they were here for 10 years before you came, he said to his father. That's why I had to keep them this way. Okay, that's one thing. The Kleoker says, you're right, Yosef said to Yaakov, they might not be worthy of a bracha because of their deeds. But Mitzidi, because of my deeds, they should get something. They may have descendants like Yeruvim and Achav and Yehu, because I was forced to have them in Mitzrayim to an Egyptian woman, assuming that Osnas was the daughter of Potiphar and not the daughter of Dina and Shechem. Assuming that, there was no choice over here, and that too entered their system. But my schus should be enough to bless them both. That's what Yosef was saying. Bonai heim. 
They're my children. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave me them to them here. I had no choice when it came to that. But Bonayim, they are my kids. And that's the idea. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu was willing, to, I guess, to say, to give a bracha to Yitzchak, even though some of his children would be terrible in the future, I would say my sons should receive a bracha as well. If Yaakov got a bracha, even though his kids, some of them would be terrible in the future, and then the same thing should be over here as well. Meet CD, I should get it. The Al-Gurvini quotes the Megala Amukos. He said, wait a second. Even Yeruvam and Achav and Yehu, they may have been evil. Two of them don't have a chilek in Olam Abba, but they had tremendous sparks of Kedusha in them. They were kings of Klau Yisrael. Granted, they did evil, but Yeruvam and Avot was chosen by God to start Malchus Yisrael. Achia Shiloni said that this is the right guy. Sure, he did evil and he was bad afterward. Achav, do you know how many times Achav did tshuva? He did tshuva over and over and over again. He married a horrible woman, Jezebel, Izebel. He married a horrible woman and that wife turned him off completely. But Achav was, had tremendous kedusha in him and says the Al-Kuruveni in the name of the Megali Amukos. That's what it means. Bazeh. Even in them, there was tremendous kedusha. Even in them, there was some great things. And Yaakov responded that he would give them both brachos. That that would, idea would be their form. The Balitosis said the word zeh represents three words that would be said by these children in the future. Zeh keli van vehu. By the Yamsuf. HaKadosh Baruch gave them to me and they will be involved in the Kriyas Yamsuf. So give them a bracha because some of them will go to the Yamsuf. Yes, there might be evil, but there's so much good within them. That's the idea that the Balitosas say over here. All of that is there. There's an Abarbanel as well. Abarbanel is sort of repeating what the others say. But it could be that this is the reason why Rashi says, Bozeh means something very else entirely. Here's what Yosef said. Yosef Atzadik was saying. HaKadosh Baruch, he went up to Yaakov and Yaakov said, who are these kids? Where'd they come from? And he showed Yaakov his star Arison, his document that he was married to Osnas, and they were from a legitimate marriage, as well as his ksuva. He had a regular ksuva. Now that's a pella that there were such things before Matan Torah. But he brought out his star Arison and his ksuba, gave them over to Yaakov and said, no, 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 it was a legitimate marriage. Now again, if Yaakov couldn't see, that it wouldn't do much. <laughs> like unless it was written in Braille, it would be very difficult to be able to get. But the assumption is that he understood, no, it was a legitimate marriage. Hold on, there are tons of consciousness. Tons, 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 right? But that's that. So he asked them, don't let them be embarrassed. It's not their fault. And that's that. The Chassam Sofer says, why, how does that answer Yaakov's problem? Let's think of Rashi for a second. Rashi's like, Yaakov looks at them and sees, oh my gosh, they're going to have evil children. So Yosef's like, no, I have a ksuba. <laughs> like, how is that answering the Shiloh? Like, they're going to have evil kids, but a ksuba should do it. Ah, oh, then everything, okay, then we'll go ahead, I'm halacha, go well. Like, what in the world is the answer? The Chassam Sofer says it's such an unbelievable answer. He says when Ruach HaKodesh left him, he realized that there was a pagam in the children and he didn't know why. Was it a huge pagam? Was it so wrong, a shoresh, pora rosh that Ephraim and Asher could not be saved? That there was nothing to do about them? Or was it a small pagam? A tiny little pagam, right? A tiny pagam, and it could be gotten over because they're going to have other people as well. Yaakov couldn't tell. He's looking at them and I'm seeing Yehu and Yerubam and Achav. What's with this evil? Is that huge? Is it them? Or is it just a little bit? What's going on here exactly? That's what the Torah's Moshe said. By showing the shtaros, he showed they don't have the pagam. The pagam's not in Ephraim and Menashe. Ephraim and Menashe are legitimate children born from me and a tzedekist named Osnas. The issue is not in us. And the issue is not in them. 
The issue is in their children's children are going to go off, Yeruvam and Eihu and Achav, they are going to go off and do evil, but that's not a pagam in the system. It's a pagam in them alone. And that was what his answer was. He was saying, I don't know, maybe they don't deserve a bracha because they're entirely evil. And Yosef's answer is, no, they're not entirely evil. There's something good over here. And the Rokeach says even further, the remez to Rashi is Asher Nosan is the gematria of a thousand and one. Same gematria as Af Biksuva Bikidushan. Others say it's learned from the word Zeh, whatever it is, but that's that. Okay, there's so much on this. What, what in the world? He had a Ksuva and a Shtar Erison? What was happening here? So I'm going to go through a bunch of different Achronim that explain this. Just Kipshuto, in such a simple way, it's obvious. Rabbi Chil Mechel Feinstein says that this proved that not only did she accept Jewish laws and practices, but she was also not a Pilegesh. She wasn't a Pilegesh, she wasn't a concubine, she was a regular woman with a Ksuva. She was a regular woman that was married to me. And therefore, it's not a Pilegesh, there's nothing wrong. What Chaim Knievsky says, that this shouldn't have answered Yaakovinu's issue. He wasn't sure what the problem was, right? But he thought, maybe this was, and he davened, maybe this will be good enough. And it did, it worked, it was good enough. But he really didn't think it was going to be good enough for it. There's a Sifzeh Chamim as well, but listen to this. Tom Vidas and Razad Amir wonder, why in the world would Yaakovinu have gotten married through a star and not through Kesef? We all know there are three ways to get married to a woman. Kesef, Shtar, and Bia. We all understand it from Rav. Rav Mangid, he would give Malkus, Lamanda Makadish the Bia. If you were Makadish a woman through Bia, that's not the right way to go. So obviously you're not going to be Makadish a woman through Bia. But you have two choices now. You could do Shtar, or you could do Kesef. Why wouldn't he do Kesef? The minigan claw you saw now is to do Kesef. Everybody uses Kesef. Why in the world would he give a star? That doesn't make any sense. Give Kesef and be done with it. They both asked that question. Tom Vadas were Sternbach. Razadamir is the parish on the Panayach Raza. They both asked the exact same question. Why would they do that? And they answer. Does anybody know the Rambam in Perak Aleph, Halacha Aleph, and Hilchus Kedushin? Probably know it by heart, right? Everybody here knows it by heart, right? He famously says that Medio Raisa, there's only two ways to be Makadash a woman. Through Shtar or through Bia. However, Kesef is Medivrei Sofrim. There's a Shiloh what the Rambam means. Does Imamish mean it's Durabanan to get married through Kedushin of Kesef? Is that you give a ring to a woman, you say, That's Midurabanan. Or is Medivrei Sofrim the way the rabbis understand the law of the Torah and it's considered like almost Divrei Nevi'im, but it's not exactly the same thing. Either way, it doesn't matter. That means Shtar is Midiorisa for sure and Kesef is a lower level. So if you have a choice between Shtar and Kesef, Yosef Etzadik said, I'm going with Shtar. And therefore he got married with a Shtar over anything else, and that's that. Then the question is, what do you need out of Shtar in order for a Shtar to work? How, do you, how does a Shtar work? How would a Shtar work in any case? You need Edom. You don't necessarily need Basin, although Kedas Moshe Yisrael would be an interesting one. But you definitely need Edom. Where did he have Edom? Where do those witnesses come from? How in the world would he be able to have Adam? So they suggest, where Sternbach suggests, that there's a famous Rashi, there's a Rabbeinu Tam and Yavam Islam and Aleph Mabez that says, I'm sorry? No, well, hold on. There's Ksav Yado. It doesn't work nowadays because we all have kosher Adam around, right? Even if you have cell phones that are smartphones. As long as you have a filter, you should be a kosher Adam. You shouldn't have a problem whatsoever, right? That should be okay, right? But we have those Adam. But in theory... If a husband would write a star, Biksav Yado, and it's a known handwriting, his known handwriting, then that might be good enough that you don't need Adam. It's possible that Ksav Yado will be a better effect than anything else, and therefore that'll be good enough. So they quote that. Rav Moshe Feinstein says the exact same
same answer in Kol Rum. That based on that, you don't need Aiden if you have the husband himself writing, I am engaging you, and that'll work. Yeah, Shalma. No, it wouldn't work for Nisuin, but who says you needed Nisuin? The Arisen made it a kosher Arisen, and then Nisuin maybe was done later on through Bia, which in theory, if you just have Arisen and Bia afterward, there's a Svara in the Gemara and Kedusha in the first part that that would be good enough, even though there's no Aiden for the Nisuin. So in theory, that still works. You still have the Rishonim. Yeah. He wasn't. He knew he was going to ask. Probably out in his back pocket just in case. Or he ran back and got it. I'm okay with either one of those. Yeah. Ah, wait. So Chaim Knievsky says very quickly, this proved that he was Megayer her beforehand. Because you can't have Arison or Aksuba if she's a Goy. And that's exactly what he was trying to say. She was Megayer. She was Megayer, and therefore I could have a Shtar Arison. And when Chaim Knievsky asked that question, he says, what about Adam? He said, well, it's possible that he had servants. And Yosef Atzadik converted his servants. Remember, he already had given bris milas to many of the Egyptian people. So many of them may have taken on Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach. Yosef Atzadik was a guy in charge of Mitzrayim. He's super wealthy, super influential, and he's going around telling everybody about the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach. So some of them might have converted to do what Yosef Atzadik did, and that would make them good enough. I'm sorry? No, because the basin is only Bidiavid, according to the Rambam. In theory, a person could be a guy on their own. So that might be good enough. So you don't even need a basin. The Moscow David says the exact same thing. He says he took Chaside Umosa Olam as his Adem, or, you said it already, he took Yisro and Eov. Yisro and Eov were the witnesses. I'd love to see this Ksuva. You know what I'm saying? Like, that would be amazing. But those were his witnesses for the Shtar Arison, and he got that. And then he says, right, he goes on, that he wouldn't have used Kesav because it's Divrei Sofrim. That's what the Moscow David says, and that's that. Maybe he had a Mesorah from Yaakov, you know, that this is true and everything like that. The old Arye goes into the whole idea of converting the Jews. You can look at that over there. I have that right over there. And then the Imri Emes. The Imri Emes says, we're totally missing the point over here. Totally missing the point. The point of the Ksuva and the Shtar Arison was not that literally at a Shtar Arison and a Ksuva with her, but rather that this was something that was different. He had, the Shtar Arison was that the Torah that he had learned, and the Shtar Ksuva was the written word. It was like Torah Shabal Pen, Torah Shabachsav, that Yosef Atzadik knew he was able to give over to his sons in Mitzrayim. So when it says he gave the Shtar Arison and the Shtar Ksuva, no, he gave Torah Shabalpan and Torah Shabbat to them, their Choshev people. That's what it meant. He was giving that over to them. That's the Imramas, and that's how we learned it over here. Of course, guys, we all know the Medrash. It could be that Asnas was not an Egyptian woman. After Dina was together with Shechem, she became pregnant. She gave birth to a child named Asnas, although I did find a Midrash somewhere that she gave birth to a boy as well. There were twins. There was a boy and a girl. But the girl, at least, Asnas, right, was, why is it, what's her name? Like, her name, Asnas, where does that come from? So there are eight different Midrashim of what happened to her at this point. Everyone agrees that the Shvatim were not happy that a child of Shechem was inside their house. So either they got rid of her, or a Malach got rid of her, something happened, right? And Osnas was placed in a bramble bush. Bramble bush is known as a Sneh, near Mitzrayim. And Potiphar found her there and adopted her. Osnas had a little petek around her neck that no one could read because it was written in Hebrew, but in a dialect that they didn't understand. Only somebody who knew the Bnei Yaakov would understand this petek. 
when Yosef was being paraded through Mitzrayim, all the girls were throwing things at him because obviously he was super good looking and he was single and he was now the second person in command of Mitzrayim. So everybody's throwing things at him and this is the story of Cinderella. People started throwing everything they could, shoes, everything, right? And as that was happening, Yosef Atzadik found one piece of a golden petek that Osnas had thrown at him thinking maybe he could translate He's such a smart guy, maybe he could translate it for her. He picks it up, looks at it and it says... I am a daughter of Dina and Shechem and a granddaughter of Yaakov Avinu. Anybody who marries me is marrying into the family of Yaakov Avinu. And Yosef read that and said, where's this girl? And he goes around trying to fit the petak on everybody's neck, right? And whoever it was finds Osnas, really the Cinderella story, finds Osnas and marries her. And that's what he was saying. For whatever reason, for 17 years, he never told Yaakov who his wife was. After 17 years, Yaakovino says, who's your wife? And he pulls out the patek and he says, your granddaughter. And that's when Yaakovino was masked him and said, okay, I'll be able to give you a bracha. That's when the Ruach HaKodesh came back to him and he realized that there's something Kaddish going on here and that's that. Why Yosef Atzadik didn't say it for 17 years is unbelievable. I have no idea why he was holding back that information. But he said it then. I'm sorry? That's true. There is a parish that he would not go near his father, but not telling him that Osnas, let Osnas go near him. Like, that's not a big deal. This is his granddaughter, and he's not going to see his granddaughter whatsoever. <laughs> not again. Yeah, I know. It sounds pretty evil. If it's, that's why I like saying that Medrash, the Medrash is that Gavriel might have done it, then it might be easier. If the Shvatim did it, yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't want to go into that. Oh, you're right. No, maybe that goes with what Shlomo's saying. Maybe they didn't want, maybe Yaakov, you never knew what happened to Osnas and didn't want to hear, I don't know. This is a, it's a strange thing. In, in a very, very strange thing. Um, very quickly, I'm just going to say the Orachim Akadr says something else. The word Bazet, that I had Bazet, refers to the Sotet Laman of Avon Beis that Yosef was supposed to have 12 children. He never had the 12 kids, unfortunately, because he lost 10 children when he had Sheikh Vazar Levatala after the issue with Eshes Potiphar. Whatever happened, it was miraculous through his fingers, without whatever it was, but Yosef Atzadik lost the ability from each one of his fingers, one of his ten children. So he lost those. He only had two. He had two of the ten. And therefore he's saying, that's the Bazet. Zeh is the gematria of twelve. Asher Nassan Lelokim, Bazet. Out of the Zeh, I only got Bays. It's Bays of the Zeh. I got two of the twelve, and that's it. That's that. I lost everybody else out. And that's what he was saying over here. And that's why I used the shame of Elohim, Midas Adin, because of the terrible things were around. The basic Shaya said that Yaakov Avinu had made these two sons into his own sons, equal to Reuven and Shimon. If so, he asked Yosef, who are these children? Are they yours, or are they mine? Halakhically speaking, if I made them into Reuven and Shimon, are they your kids because they're my grandkids or are they mine? And Yosef's answer was they were still his. He was also Zilchadev Shvatim, right, because of what he did with Ezra Potiphar, he lost them, but that's what you mean by the word Bazet. I still get the 12, I just didn't have them as Chashem as you. Okay, we'll stop with that, we'll stop with that right there, everybody. Have a great Shabbos